The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 3, Chapter 28. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda, describes how Satan with all seven of his legions persisted in tempting Most Holy Mary, and how she conquered the dragon and crushes his head. 359. Even if the Prince of Darkness and Wickedness had now retreated, his exorbitant pride would have been sufficiently embarrassed and humiliated by the victories, which had been gained by the Queen of Heaven. But even if vanquished, he continues to rise up against God with insatiable malice, he did not acknowledge his defeat, Psalm 73:23. Finding himself conquered and conquered so completely by an apparently insignificant and weak woman, though he and his hosts had overcome so many valiant men and high-minded women, his fury raged onward, though in smothered flames of wrath. God had permitted the enemies to become aware of the pregnancy of the Most Holy Mary, though leaving them under the impression, that it was entirely a natural process, for the divinity of the child and other mysteries connected with it always remained hidden to these enemies. Hence they persuaded themselves that this was not the promised Messiah, since they held this child to be a man like the rest of the human race. This error also confirmed them in the mistake that Most Holy Mary was not the mother of the Word, Genesis 3.15, both of whom were to crush the head of the dragon. Yet they were persuaded that of a woman so valiant and victorious, some man of distinguished sanctity would be born. The great dragon, convinced of this, conceived against the fruit of the Most Holy Mary that immeasurable fury mentioned in the twelfth chapter of the Apocalypse, and referred to in this history, and he awaited the birth of her son in order to devour him. 360. Whenever Lucifer directed his looks toward this child enclosed in the womb of the Most Holy Mary, he felt a mysterious power oppressing him. Although his presence seemed to cause only a certain weakening and deadening of his strength, yet this was sufficient to enrage him and to make him seek by all means the destruction of this suspicious child and of his victorious mother. Assuming the most fearful shapes of fiercest bulls and terrible dragons or of other monsters, he sought to approach her without ever being able to succeed. He rushed upon her, but found himself repulsed, without knowing by whom or how. He struggled like a wild beast in chains and gave forth awe-inspiring howls, which if God had not prevented their being heard, would have terrified the world and would have frightened many men to death. He shot forth from his mouth fire and fumes of sulfur mixed with poisonous spittle. All this the heavenly princess Mary saw and heard, without being moved more than if she saw a gnat. He caused disturbances in the air, upon the earth, or in her house, disarranging and overthrowing it in all its parts, but most holy Mary still remained unmoved, retaining her inward and outward tranquility and peace and showing herself invincibly superior to all his attempts. 361. Lucifer, finding himself thus vanquished, opened his most impure mouth and set in motion his lying and defiled tongue. He loosened the floodgates of his malice and spouted forth in the presence of the heavenly empress all the heresies and infernal falsehoods of the sex, which he and his associates spread through the world. For after they had been hurled from heaven and after they were informed that the divine word was to assume human flesh in order to be the chief of a race, which he would replenish with graces and celestial teachings, 
the dragon resolved to concoct falsehoods and heresies, in opposition to all the truths concerning the knowledge love and worship of the Most High. In this occupation the demons consumed many years before the coming of Christ, the Lord of the world, and all this poisonous deceit Lucifer, the ancient serpent, had stored up within himself. Now he poured it out in the presence of the Mother of Truth and Purity, hoping to infect her by all the falsehoods, which he had conceived against the truth of God up to that day. 362. They are not fit to be described here, even less so than some of the temptations indicated in the last chapter, for it would be dangerous not only for the weak souls, but even the strongest must fear the pestilential breath of Lucifer, who on this occasion exhaled all his deceitful malice. According to what I saw, I believe doubtlessly, that there was no error of idolatry or heresy known to have existed in the world to this day, which this dragon did not vomit forth in the hearing of the Sovereign Mary. Therefore the Church can truly congratulate Mary on account of her victories, affirming of her, that she by herself has smothered and extinguished all the heresies of the whole world. Thus in truth our victorious Shulamite, armed with her virtues advanced like an army in battle array, Canticles 7-1, to confound, overwhelm and destroy the infernal hosts. All their falsehoods, and each one in particular, she refuted, contradicting, detesting and denouncing all of them with invincible faith and sublime constancy. She proclaimed the various truths opposed to his falsehoods, magnifying the Lord by means of them as true, just and holy. She broke out into songs of praise, in which his virtues and doctrines were extolled as true, holy, immaculate and altogether praiseworthy. In fervent prayer she besought the Lord to humiliate the arrogance of the demons by preventing them from spreading so freely their poisonous errors through the world, and asking him to diminish the influence of the false teachings, which they had already sowed and which they were yet allowed to sow among men. 363. On account of this victory of the great queen and on account of her prayers, I perceived that the most high injustice set narrower bounds to the demons, so that they would not be able to scatter the seeds of error as much as they intended and as much as the sins of men would merit. Although their sins are the cause of so many heresies and sects unto this day, yet they would have caused many more, if most holy Mary had not crushed the head of the dragon by such great victories, by her prayers and petitions. I have been informed of a great mystery, which affords us consolation in this conflict of the Holy Church against her wicked enemies. Namely, on account of this triumph of Most Holy Mary and on account of another, which she gained over the demons after the ascension of our Lord, which will be described in its place. The Almighty, in reward of her battles, decreed, that through her intercession and virtue all the heresies and sects of the world against the Holy Church were to be destroyed and extinguished. The time appointed for this blessing was not made known to me, probably the fulfillment of this decree is dependent upon some tacit and unknown condition. Yet I am sure that if the Catholic princes and their subjects would seek to please this great Queen of Heaven and betake themselves to her intercession as being their especial patroness and protectress, and if they would direct all their influence and riches, all their power and sovereignty toward the exaltation of the faith and the honor of God and of purest Mary, for this may perhaps be the condition imposed, 
they would be as it were the instruments, by which the infidels would be refuted and vanquished, the sects and errors infesting the world would be repressed, and splendid and magnificent victories would be gained for the Catholic truth. 364. Before the birth of Christ our Redeemer, it seemed to Lucifer, as was implied in the foregoing chapter, that his coming was retarded by the sins of the world. In order to prevent his coming altogether he sought to increase this hindrance by multiplying the aberrations and crimes of mortals. This iniquitous pride of the devil the Lord confounded by the magnificent triumphs of his most holy mother. After the birth and the death of the Redeemer, the malicious dragon sought to hinder and divert the fruits of his blood and redemption. For this purpose he began to sow and spread the errors, which after the times of the apostles have afflicted and do now afflict the church. The victory over this infernal malice was likewise left by Christ in the hands of his most holy mother, for she alone could merit, and did merit such a victory. Through her idolatry was extinguished by the preaching of the gospel, through her were brought to not the ancient sects of Arius, Nestorius and Pelagius and of others, she it was that instigated the zeal and solicitude of kings, princes, fathers, and doctors of the Holy Church. Hence how can it be doubted, if the Catholic princes, both of the Church and of the State, would use the proper diligence, aiding as it were this heavenly lady, that she on her part would not fail to help them, conferring upon them happiness in this life and in the next, and cutting down all the heresies of the world. For this very purpose the Lord has so enriched so greatly as well the Church as the Catholic reigns and monarchies. If it were not for this purpose, it were better that they remain poor. It was not proper that all the results of the Gospel should be obtained through miracles, but through natural means, obtainable by the proper application of riches. But it is not for me to judge whether they fulfill this obligation or not. I have only to report what the Lord Himself has made known to me, that those who hold the titles of honor and sovereignty conferred by the Church, without coming to her aid and defense and without applying their riches toward preventing the waste of the blood of Christ our Savior, are usurpers and unjust possessors of those titles, for in this very thing the difference between Christian and infidel princes should consist. 365. Coming back to my subject, I say that the Most High in His infinite foresight, knew well the iniquity of the dragon, and that in the pursuit of His wrath against the Church He would bring to disorder many of the faithful, striking down the stars of the heaven of the militant Church, namely the faithful, and thus seeking to rouse still more the divine justice and diminish the fruits of the redemption. The Highest Lord in immense kindness resolved to meet this danger that threatened the world. In order that he might be moved in this by so much the greater equity and for the greater glory of his name, he arranged that the Most Holy Mary should oblige him to give this help. She alone was worthy of the privileges, gifts and prerogatives by which she was to overcome the world, and this Most Eminent Lady alone was capable of such an enterprise as to draw toward her the heart of God by her holiness, purity, merits and prayers. For the greater exaltation of the divine power he wished it to be known through all the eternities that he had conquered Lucifer and all his followers through means of a mere creature and a woman, just as the devil had cast down the whole human race by another woman, and that there was none other to whom this salvation of the church and whole world could be worthily credited. 
On account of these and other reasons apparent to us in faith, the Almighty gave into the hands of our victorious chieftain as the sword for cutting off the head of the infernal dragon, a power never to be diminished in her, and with which she defends and assists the militant church according to the labors and necessities of coming centuries. 366. While Lucifer with his infernal legions in visible forms persisted in his unhappy attempts, the most serene Mary never looked upon them nor paid any attention to them, although by the permission of God she heard the uproar. Since the hearing cannot be so easily stopped as the sight, she took precaution, lest what she heard should enter her imagination or interior faculties. Nor did she stoop to speak to them otherwise than to command them to stop their blasphemies. This command was so powerful that it forced the demons to press their mouths to the earth, while she in the meanwhile sang great canticles of praise and glory in honor of the Most High. This intercourse of Her Majesty with God in her profession of the divine truths, was likewise so oppressive and painful to them that they began to attack each other like ravenous wolves, or like rabid dogs. Every action of the Empress Mary was for them a burning shaft, and every one of her words a flame of fire more dreadful than hell itself. This is not an exaggeration for the dragon and his followers really strove to fly and escape from the presence of Most Holy Mary, while the Lord, in order to enhance the triumph of his mother and spouse and confound entirely the pride of Lucifer, detained them by a secret force. His Majesty permitted it and ordained that the demons themselves should humiliate themselves so far as to ask the Heavenly Lady to command them to go and be driven from her presence, which they had sought. Accordingly she commanded them to return to the infernal regions. There they lay prostrate for a time, while the great vanquisher Mary remained absorbed in divine praise and thanksgiving. 367 when by the permission of the Lord Lucifer rose from his defeat, he returned to the conflict, selecting for his instrument some of the neighbors of the holy spouses, and sowing among them and their wives the hellish seed of discord concerning temporal interests. For this purpose the demon took the shape of a woman known to them all and telling them that they should not disagree among themselves, since the source of all their differences was none other than Mary, the wife of Joseph. The woman, whose shape the demon took, held the esteem and regard of all these persons, and therefore her words were so much the more weighty. Although the Lord did not allow the good name of his most holy mother to suffer in any important point, yet he permitted, that for her greater glory and merit, all these deceived persons should give her an opportunity of exercising her patience on this occasion. They betook themselves in a body to the house of St. Joseph, and in his presence they called forth Most Holy Mary and spoke very harshly to her, accusing her of disturbing their homes and their peace. This event was painful to the most innocent lady, on account of the worry occasioned to St. Joseph, who had already noticed the increase of her virginal womb, and who, as she had perceived, was already troubled by the thoughts beginning to arise in his heart. Nevertheless, in her prudence and wisdom, she sought to meet this disturbance with humility, and overcome it by patience and lively faith. She did not defend herself, nor fall back on the faultlessness of her conduct, on the contrary, she humiliated herself and begged her ill-informed neighbors to pardon her, if in anything she had offended them. 
With sweet and wise words she enlightened and pacified them, making them understand that none of them had committed any offense against the others. Satisfied by her explanations and edified by the humility of her answer, they peacefully withdrew to their houses, while the demon fled, not being able to endure such great sanctity and heavenly wisdom. 368. St. Joseph remained somewhat pensive and sad, and he began to give way to conjecture, as I will relate in the following chapters. The demon, although he was ignorant of the chief cause of the troubled thoughts of St. Joseph, wished to profit by the occasion, for he allows none to escape him, in order to disquiet him still more. But doubting whether his dissatisfaction did not arise from a certain disgust at his poverty and his lowly habitation, the demon hesitated between two different courses. On the one hand he suggested a feeling of restlessness to St. Joseph, irritating and disgusting him against his poverty, and on the other hand he tried to persuade him that Mary, his spouse, devoted too much time to her meditations and prayers, and led a too negligent and leisurely life, instead of exerting herself to improve their poor circumstances. But St. Joseph, upright and magnanimous of heart, readily despised and rejected such considerations. The solicitude with which he was secretly filled in regard to the pregnancy of his spouse easily smothered all other anxieties. The Lord, leaving him in the beginning to these anxious thoughts, freed him from the temptations of the demon through the intercession of the Most Holy Mary. For she was very attentive to all that passed within the heart of her most faithful spouse. She therefore besought her Most Holy Son to relieve him of these assaults, and to be satisfied with the service which he rendered to God, in enduring the sorrow of seeing her pregnant. 369 the Most High ordained that the princes of heaven should still farther prolong this great battle with Lucifer. He permitted him and all his legions in one general assault to strain all their forces and exert all their malice, so that the demons might find themselves entirely crushed and vanquished. The heavenly lady was to achieve the greatest triumph that ever was gained, or could be gained over hell by a mere creature. These legions of wickedness arrived in all their hellish array to present themselves before the heavenly queen, and with indescribable fury. Uniting all the scheming plots of which they had until now availed themselves separately, and adding what little they could, they advanced to make a universal onslaught. But I will not detain myself in describing it specially, as nearly all can be understood from what has been described in the two preceding chapters. She met them all and awaited their fearful onslaught with the same tranquility, high-mindedness and serenity, as if she had been in the position of the highest choirs of the angels seated on their secure and unassailable thrones. No strange or improper emotion could disturb the serenity of her heavenly interior, although the menacing terrors, illusions and falsehoods of all hell were poured forth in torrents by the dragon against this strong and unconquered woman, Most Holy Mary. 370. While she thus in the midst of this conflict exercised heroic acts of all the virtues against her enemies, she was made aware of the adorable decree of the Most High, that she should humiliate and crush the pride of the dragon by her great dignity as Mother of God. Rising up in ardent and invincible valor, she turned toward the demons and spoke to them. Who is like unto God who dwells on high? And repeating these words she added,
Prince of Darkness, author of Sin and Death. In the name of the Most High I command you to be silent. And with your legions, cast yourself into the infernal caverns where your place is appointed to you, and wherefrom you shalt not come forth until the promised Messiah shall vanquish you and crush you, or until he otherwise permits. The heavenly empress shone forth in the light and splendor of heaven, and, as the proud dragon made a pretense of resisting her command, she directed upon him the full force of her power. His resistance drew upon him so much the greater pain, humiliation and torment, since such he thereby merited before all the other demons. Together they fell into the abyss and remained fixed in its lowest caverns, as had happened to them at the time of the Incarnation, and as I will describe further on at the temptation and at the death of Christ our Lord. And when this dragon afterwards engaged in his last battle with this queen, which is described in the third part of this history, this heavenly lady vanquished him so completely, that through her and her most holy son his head was entirely crushed. In that final battle his strength was so weakened and ruined that if human creatures do not deliver themselves into the hands of his malice, they can very easily resist, and overcome him with the divine grace. 371. Then the Lord himself appeared to his most holy mother, and in reward of her glorious victories he communicated to her new gifts and privileges, her thousand guardian angels visibly presented themselves with innumerable hosts of others, and sang to her new canticles of praise in honor of the Most High and of herself. And with celestial concord of sweet and audible voices they sang of her, that which the Holy Church figuratively sings of the triumph of Judith. You are all beautiful, Mary Our Lady, and there is no stain of sin in thee. You are the glory of the heavenly Jerusalem, you the honor of the people of God. You are she, who magnifies his name, the advocate of sinners, who defends them against their proud enemy. O Mary, you are full of grace and of all perfection. The heavenly lady was filled with glad jubilee, praising the author of all good and acknowledging him as the source of all she possessed. Whereupon she began to pay more particular attention to the well-being of her spouse, as I shall relate in the following chapter of the fourth book. The instruction which our queen and mistress gave me. 372. My daughter, the silence which the soul should maintain when the invisible enemies advance with their specious reasonings, should not prevent it from imposing silence upon them in the name of the Most High, and from commanding them to leave its presence in confusion. Therefore I desire this to be your prudent behavior when they assault you, for there is no other defense so powerful against the dragon than to be conscious of the power which we possess as children of God, and to use the advantage which this confidence gives us by exercising our dominion and superiority over the infernal spirits. Matthew 6 9. For the whole aim of Lucifer, after he had fallen from heaven, consists in enticing souls from their Creator and in sowing the seed of discord, by which he hopes to separate the adopted children from their Heavenly Father, and the spouses of Christ from their Bridegroom. Whenever he perceives that a soul is united with his Creator and in living communion with its head Christ, he tries to surpass himself in his furious attempts at persecuting it, 
his envy arouses the utmost exertion of his deceitfulness and malice for its destruction. But as soon as he sees that he cannot succeed in his attempts, because the soul takes refuge in the unfailing and unassailable protection of the Most High, he weakens in his attempts and begins to writhe in exquisite torments. If the soul, thus strengthened with the authority of God's truth, despises and casts him out, there is no creeping worm or ant so weak as that giant of iniquitous pride. 373. By this most true doctrine you must comfort and strengthen yourself, when according to the decree of the Almighty, you meet tribulations and are surrounded by the sorrows of death and temptation such as I have suffered. For they afford your spouse the best occasion of verifying your fidelity by experience. Therefore love must not be satisfied merely with mere protestations of affection without looking for more valuable fruit, for the desire which costs nothing is not a sufficient proof of love in a soul, nor of its proper esteem of the good which it pretends to hold clear and love. If you wish to give a satisfactory proof of your love to your spouse, show yourself invincible in your trust in him also then when you find yourself most afflicted and forsaken by human aid, confide in the Lord your God, and hope in him, if necessary, against hope, Romans 4.18. For he does not slumber nor does he sleep, who calls himself the protection of Israel, Psalm 120 verse 4. In due time he will command the waves and the wind, and restore tranquility, Matthew 8 26. 374. You must be much more wary my daughter, in the beginning of the temptations, for there is then greater danger lest the soul, yielding to the concupiscent or the irascible passions by which the light of reason is obscured and darkened allow itself to be thrown into confusion. As soon as the demon notices such a state of mind he will raise a whirlwind of dust in the faculties. His fierceness is so immeasurable and implacable that it will then increase in fury. He will add flame to flame, thinking that the soul has no one to defend and rescue it from his hands, Psalm 120.11. As the force of his temptations increases, also does the danger of failing in the necessary resistance, since the soul has commenced to yield in the very beginning. All this I make known to you, in order that you may fear the danger of being remiss in guarding against the first approaches of the demon. Do not incur it in what is so important. You should continue in the even tenor of your duties in every temptation, keeping up the sweet and devout union with the Lord and preserving your prudent and loving intercourse with your neighbors. You should forestall by prayer and by restraint of your feelings the disorder which the enemy seeks to bring about in your soul.